Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, we're talking about biblical contentment. Um, And if you want to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4, you can. I'm going to read through a few different things here. Um, We we left off uh, talking about how the Lord strengthens us. And that we can do, Philippians 4.13 says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens or empowers us. Uh, In the Greek it actually reads, I am strong for all things in in the one who constantly infuses me, uh, infuses strength in me. I love that translation of that. He constantly infuses strength in me. And I wanted to give you a couple of passages in conjunction with Philippians chapter 4 verse number 13 that uh, Paul shared about his life that I think will help you understand even greater how he focused on contentment coming from within and not without. You know, Paul talked about the trials that he went through. He was not shy about it. Um, now, he didn't lead out with that. I think he just preferred to preach Jesus. And But there are times when you're ministering or, or when the Spirit of God is ministering that he will pull out from your own life things that you've gone through where it looked like you weren't winning, but you trusted in Christ and you overcame. I mean, that's bare bones and essence of faith. Faith is, is uh, and the victory of faith that's available to us, what Christ has provided for us was the ability to live in a world that is fallen around us, have mountains, enemies, and different things come against us, but through the resurrection of Christ, the graces provided, and the law of faith that operates in the kingdom, we're able to say to a mountain, be lifted up, be cast into the sea, and it will obey us in Christ Jesus. Amen? You know, sometimes people say, well, you can have whatever you desire. Well, you can ask in the name of Jesus and receive the desires, but the desires have to be rooted in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so uh, when it comes to contentment, Paul had a couple of different situations. And in your notes, if you want to just jot this down, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse number 23 through verse number 33, and you can see uh, some difficult situations that Paul ran into. And when you're reading through that, because I'm not going to take the time to do it today, but when you're reading through that, go ahead and mark down or highlight in your Bible the places where you see faith coming out. Because even in the midst of Paul sharing about the challenges he went through, he always declared the victory in Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes people don't think that. They think, oh, no, he was just a moper. Or they'll go through the Psalms and they'll think, look how depressed David was. Well, David may have had a moment where he was overwhelmed and he expressed that. But if you read overall through the Psalms of David, you will see the note of victory in Christ or in his Savior always present. And it's not a sin necessarily to talk about what you're going through. It's not a a wrong thing to talk about or to recognize what you're going through. But if you want to overcome then you're going to have to shift your focus from what you see to what you don't see in order to change what you see in the natural. 
Paul made statements that are powerful, like we walk by and not. It's, the, remember the movie, The Sixth Sense? I'm older, so. I'm getting some head nods and some blank stares. There is a sixth sense that you have. It's the Holy Spirit sense. Outside of your five senses, you have the leading of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. And you and the Lord is a majority and your faith, because it's birthed out of his word and ultimately really is his faith operating in you, that is enough for you to overcome any circumstance that you're facing. And I didn't say that, he did. I mean, I said it because he said it. Can you trust your Jesus? Is he not faithful? Well, it's hard. Glory to God. Well, it's not fair. Hallelujah. Well, I wish they'd glory to God. I've got God on my side. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to fight against them. Well, they've been my enemy. Well, bless them in the name of Jesus. Well, they hit me on the one cheek. Well, turn the other one over and let them smack that one. You wouldn't want to go around unevenly bruised. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. We are to bless those who curse us. And they used me. We'll pray for them in the name of Jesus. Well, they don't like me. They don't, my spouse is mean to me. Bless them, love them. Well, they're acting a fool. Well, get in the spirit, pray for them, and sit God on them. Let God do the work that you can't handle on your own. Well, that means I have to let go. (laughs) Exactly. You need to find your contentment in Christ. Another good passage of victory from Paul is Romans chapter 8, which Pastor Herb mentioned that chapter this morning in his teaching on dreams. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35 through 39 is another good one there. Now, in order for any truth to be established, we have to be a doer of the word. Luke chapter 6, verse number 46 in the Amplified Translation says this, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? For everyone who comes to me and listens to my words, most people don't have a problem with the listening part, and does them. Somebody say, does them. Say this with me. I have to listen and do. Okay? So that's the combination of the concrete powder mix and the water. If you want the firm foundation, you can't just put the powder out there. You got to get it wet. Amen? And that's how faith strengthens us and we grow and we develop not only, now our spirit man's not developing, but our soul is developed, our thinking is being transformed and it gives greater expression to the spirit. And that's the goal. So we hear and then we do, and he says, I will show you what he is like. Jesus is no liar. He says this, he is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. 
He laid a foundation. He dug and went down deep. You, you say, well, I know some people that are real spiritually deep. My question is, how stable are they? You say, how do you know that? Let a storm come up. Now, we don't have to pray for storms. They just come. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> if you read the next part of the verse, what does it say? The flood, the torrent broke against that house and... How many would like an unshakable life? Then do what your master says. You'll have an unshakable life. Do you know I don't have to back up that word? Praise the Lord. Some people are like, you know, they think the preacher's supposed to do everything for them. I didn't promise that. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the errand boy. That's it. I just sharing what he shared. He will back it up. And it's so great that you don't have to depend on me. It is wonderful. Praise the Lord. Thank God that you and I don't have to depend on each other for the promises to come to pass. We can depend on the one, Jesus Christ. Your faith, if it's in him, is in a great place of stability so in order for these truths of contentment to be established we have to what we have to be a hearer and a doer of them john chapter 4 verse number 13 jesus answered and said to her this is the woman at the well whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him or in them a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What is Jesus saying? Nothing in this world will bring you contentment, only I will. Okay, only I will. And we've looked at several different truths, but Philippians chapter 4, verse number 11 says this. I'm still in review mode. Not that I speak in regard to need, but for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And Paul deals with several different states that he's been in. And he's not talking about, you know, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, none of that. Conditions. <laughs> he said, I've learned to be how, how to be abased. I've learned to, how to abound. I love that verse. I never saw it before until we did this study. People need to learn how to abound. There's a whole lot of people that are abounded, and they have no clue what they're doing with the abounding. And you know why? It's because their contentment is not in Christ. He is not Lord. Well, if I make enough, then I'll be happy. If I get this house, then I'll be happy. You will, there is, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning when I was in, uh, during Vessels of Honor when Pastor Herb was teaching. He spoke to me and he said, there is no contentment in any created thing, Sean. Oh, well, that changes the, the understanding a little bit. The Holy Spirit spoke to us previously uh, uh, this truth, this understanding. The Garden of Eden was created for Adam and Eve to enjoy, but their contentment only came through fellowship with God. 
That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I know the secret of contentment. We would never, if we operated in close fellowship with God every single day, Christ every day. I'm not saying you won't have feelings. This is not a Dr. Spock teaching. How many have ever seen Star Trek? What is, yeah, live long and prosper. All right, so Spock had no what? No emotions. He had no emotions. He was a stoic. We're not teaching stoicism. You have feelings. You all have feelings. We all do. We all have emotions. But our stability and contentment is from the Spirit. We would, when you're, when you're securing Christ, your up and down days go away. How are you doing today? Well, I'm down. Why? Well, I just feel down. How are you doing today? Well, I'm up. Why? I just feel up. I must have, ate, I must have taken my, the right vitamins. Well, how are things going? Well, I got these problems that are going on, so I just, I'm, just, I'm just depressed. Do you know that everybody in here has dealt with depression, encountered it? Now, I'm not talking about what the world has labeled it as. I'm talking about everybody, because the spirit of depression is the king in the earth. And you say, what do you mean by that? The prince of the power of the air. What do you think he is? Happy after he rebelled against God? Do you think he's the minister of joy? <laughs> so that when that comes, but when we're content in Christ, Paul says, look, there's no circumstance you can face that you can't overcome because of who's in you, not because of your circumstances. There is no created thing. You, we should just say this. This is a good place for a confession of faith. Say this with me. Say, anything created... In this life, cannot give me heart contentment. They can, there are things that we can enjoy. And the scripture says that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. But contentment is only found in him. So that means if the world turns upside down, you remain right side up. If the world goes right side up, you remain vigilant in your fellowship with the Lord. If things are all good or all bad or things are in the middle or whatever the case may be, you are immovable. Uh, I don't remember who it was. Somebody had mentioned in, in uh, actually I think it was one of the youth last week that shared about from camp, and they mentioned the thermostat versus the thermometer. We are a thermostat if we function from the inside out. We will be a thermometer if we don't. You say, what do you mean? You're going to rise and fall with the conditions around you. But when you function in contentment with Christ, you can set the temperature 72 Auto. Somebody just said 58. <laughs> Did you say 58 or 68? 68. Okay, 68. Now, I'm not giving you permission to set the temperature in this room. <laughs> the AC units will run. 
But what I am saying is, is you individually with the Lord, in Christ alone, underneath, auto. How many have auto on your thermostat? What does that mean? If it gets above 72, what kicks in? If it gets below 72, what kicks in? The heat. In Christ, you have the ability to overcome. Now, I'm not telling you that, uh, that, you're, that if you're going to look to the circumstances for, and wait for the contentment, you're going to miss it. I'm talking about fellowshipping with the Lord in the Spirit. He'll work on the circumstances. You don't have to worry about that. Amen? All right, so let's look at, I, I could go over more review, but I don't need to because you can go back and listen to them on Vimeo or the website or YouTube or the podcast, wherever you want. All right, but let's uh, write this in your notes. What does it look like or what happens when someone is not living in biblical contentment? So this could be the opposite side. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6. And a lot of this lack of contentment, at least three of the verses are going to surround around money, just to forewarn you. And then the last one we're going to look at is going to surround around position or authority and how we react uh, in situations that don't uh, necessarily go the way we want. So what does it look like when, when, when uh, like, or what happens when someone is not living in biblical contentment? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6 says this, Now godliness with contentment is what great gain for we brought look at verse 7 we brought what into this world how much did you bring into the world and it is certain what what kind of word is certain it is absolute that we can carry <laughs> so why are you stacking it up like you're going to carry it out because you ain't. Well, people say, well, I'm going to leave an inheritance for my children's children. That is excellent. You should do that. That's biblical, right? That's biblical, right? There's nothing wrong with that. The scripture says that. But the chief inheritance you want to leave is faith. Do you know if, if and I'm going, to, I'm going to ride on some things that are going to, going to cause some thought processes in you to be stirred up, Okay. Some, it may be more than others, depending on, on what is uh, important to you in your life or what you enjoy. Do you know that eventually the nice car that you own, it will become an antique? Right? Do you know eventually houses fall apart? They don't stay forever. All these natural things sometimes that we place high levels of importance on and we actually attach to them in an unhealthy, unbiblical way, eventually they're going to fall apart and become dust. We brought how much into this world? And we can take out how much? How many have been to a funeral before? I've performed them. I have yet to have a U-Haul buried with. People say, well, the Egyptians tried it. Yeah, and what are we digging up? <laughs> what are we putting in the museum? 
if it went with them, something didn't take place in the beam me up Scotty like it was supposed to. Where's my contentment? Is it in things? Or is it in Christ? Now, we know the answer, but do we live it? Because the firm foundation comes when we, when we live it. You say, what is the key to balance there? In everything, seek the Lord first. Now, I can take you down biblical, a biblical path that you're supposed to manage your wealth well and manage your money well. But I can also take you down a path with those who don't even serve God, and they've got more money than probably most of the people in the room. But money is their God. I'll put it to you like this. We had a gentleman that we brought in uh, to uh, give some counsel and advice to the church about the growth of the church and what we could do potentially in, in building in the future, different things like that. And his background was in finance, and I was able to, Heidi and I were able to eat a couple of meals with him and his wife, and we were able to drive around with him, look at different things around billings. And while we're talking, and he loves the Lord with everything. I mean, he just really loves the Lord. But he is financially, I mean, it's just amazing how much he knows, okay? So that's his world. Very gifted in that area by the Lord. But he told me, he said at one point, he said, Sean, he said, I've, I'm, I have at times worked for major money management firms. And he said, these people that worship money, he said, when we've had downturn, he said, I've had guys that are so, that are worth 300 plus million dollars. Now, most people day to day, they think in terms of, yeah, if I won the lottery, I'd be that rich. This guy's, this gentleman's worth three, but when the economy turned down, he actually would call this gentleman uh, that I was talking to basically almost every day, and finally, he called the daughter of the guy, and he said, look, if he doesn't stop bugging me, I'm going to release his account. Now, most money managers like to manage an account worth $330 million, okay? But what's the problem with the guy, the gentleman that has that much money? I bet when he was amassing it, judging by his actions, he thought his security was there. And he's got so much money, he could probably start fires every day with the actual money and not run out. But yet there's an economic downturn, and all of a sudden, where is the security in his, what's coming up in his heart? Why? Because his heart's in that thing. It's in something tangible. And here Paul makes this statement in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Skip on down to verse number 8. And having food and clothing with these we shall be... <laughs> well, if I only had food and clothing, I don't know what I would do. In Christ you would be content. Is that true? Is that scripture true? How many are willing to prove it? What if all you had left was, and I use this phrase with some temperament here, God, your clothing, and food. Can I 
When I read that verse, I have to go, okay, Lord, am I there? It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Can I be happy with that? Can I? Well, we know it's possible. What if you had to prove it? Oh, the thinking is going on. Can I do that? So what, do I, what, what, what is this moment that the Lord has us in here in this word, in this scripture? The moment, we're now at a point where we go, we need to go to our own prayer closet and go, Lord, can I do this? I mean, I know you said I can, Lord, but where am I at? Where's my heart? See, contentment a person who is living, uh, I need to say it this way, because I need to include myself. When we're living at the highest level of biblical contentment, we will cease putting pressure on others for our needs. I am not there. I'm better than I used to be. But I figured something out. I am one messed up dude. Without the Lord. <laughs> now in the spirit, I'm perfect. You should see me in the spirit. I'm muy guapo. <laughs> Is that what it was, Mike? Muy guapo, yes. Muy guapo. <laughs> I am muy guapo. But my soul, whew, it needs a lot of work. Because I'll be honest with you, if I'm just gonna, if I'm just gonna kind of sit here for a second and, and look at this, I'll be honest with you. That verse bugs me. You say, why? Well, I know other verses that talk about prosperity. And I like having food and clothing, but I sure enjoy all the other stuff I have too. But I think the main focus here is that we don't get into covetousness. I don't need all the other stuff to be content. I have Christ. <sighs> That's enough. It, it, it just removes the worries. Jesus would say, hey... Hey, Faith Family Church, he would say, if he was here, he'd say, look at the birds of the air. He'd say, Sean, pay attention to the birds. Do they eat? Do, uh, Sean, do I have them storing in barns? No, sir. Do you think I can take care of you? That would be the question, right? And then I get an opportunity to respond in faith. Yes, sir. I believe that. And then if he says, let's try it. Watch now. His word's not being tried. I am being tried. You know, I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? But do I really want to be thrown in the fire? 
but yet that faith is in me. That resurrection is in me. That resurrection is in you now. The same God who rescued the Hebrews rescues us. Good thoughts there. Praise the Lord. Man, that was awesome. So you can read through verse 10 and deal with more problems on your own later. Another passage, I'm not going to read it, but you can mark this down. Hebrews 13, verse 5 through 6. You can look at that later. There's great stuff there on contentment. I love the verse in verse uh, 5 at the end. uh, the, The author of Hebrews says this, which I believe was the Apostle Paul, but it says this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what that sounds like? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what that sounds like to me. I like that. Luke chapter 3 verse 14 again talks about contentment, what you do with your position of authority. Are you content with the wages you earn or do you use your authority to pressure people and manipulate and control people and extort something out of somebody that they don't know? If you're, if you're in a business and you're, a, you're an owner of a business, do you slip in extra fees that the people you know they're not going to know about, but they're not necessary so you can pad what you... You know, because that's not prosperity. You do realize that. That's thievery. And people of faith, they don't have to steal because they have Jehovah, Jireh. I love these verses. All right, let's end on a really high note. Not really. 3 John chapter 9, verse number 9. 3 John verse number 9. This is going to, I'm just, we'll see what kind of attendance we have next week. (laughs) But I love the word above anything else. 3 John verse 9 says, I wrote to the church, and I want to talk about people who try to fight for their own way right now because they're discontent. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. Verse 10, therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words and not content, not con... He's not what? He's not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to do so, putting them out of the church. Diotrephes, which we don't know exactly who he is, obviously he's recorded here, but he's not known specifically, but regarding his character, and this is the issue that needs to be made known in what the apostle John was making known. Regarding character, he is known as being proud, ambitious, exclusive, malicious, inhospitable, tyrannical, rebellious against biblical authority. And why did it come about? Because he's not content in Christ. Now, this is a gentleman who's a leader in, in the church that Paul's writing to. And so we want to see here and bring up the actions of Diotrephes because we learn a lot from him concerning how not to act. So this is how not to act. This is a a good illustration of what not to do. From our biblical definition of contentment uh, that we gave earlier, we see that he is not living in contentment. 
Here are some phrases in these verses that reveal this to us and also give us instruction on what to look out for in our own lives. How many know we need to look out in our own lives? Amen? He, this phrase right here in the passages, those passages I read, who loves to have preeminence among them. That phrase in the Greek means to be fond of being first, to be ambitious of distinction, to aspire after being first. Now, I love this verse because Scripture and truth is this way. How many know it's a mountain? There's a mountain. Truth is a mountain. In other words, there's one side of the mountain. How many think God wants us to have success? How many? We could probably prove from the Scripture that we are to have success. Amen? But what if we try to have it with this attitude? And it is in the church. There are people competing with other people, and the reason why is because they don't know their call. They lust after what somebody else has. And they cloak it with, I'm doing the work of the kingdom. Ooh, this is good. I love it. I love this because we're... We're, we're growing. So he desires, he aspires to put himself first. Specifically, these actions are taking place in the church, but this principle applies to every area of our life, from family to business to politics. Do you know your kids will compete with each other if you let them? I'm talking about in an unhealthy way. How many of oh, I'm going to tell a story. But it's on Kylie, and she's not here, so we're all good. <laughs> Taylor just went like this. Oh, phew. <laughs> Now, this is cute, okay? It's not, there's nothing, she, it's, she wouldn't be embarrassed. Even if she was, she knows me. So, okay, <laughs> we're all fair game, okay? So, when, when Taylor was learning how to walk, Heidi and I, were, you know how you sit on separate chairs, but, and you give, you know, th three feet of space so that, that your child can learn how to walk from one to the other. Well, Kylie's sitting on the couch. Of course, Kylie already knows how to walk. She's been walking and talking since she came out of the womb. <laughs> She came out going, hi, Dad, how are you, you know? <laughs> she just talked really early and walked early, all that stuff. Which, I don't know if that's part of being the first kid, I don't know. But anyway, that's a rabbit trail. So we're, Taylor, we're like, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're encouraging your kid, right? They walked, oh, good job, you know, all of that. And Taylor's sitting there watching, or Kylie's sitting there watching. She gets up and starts to walk between me and Heidi the same way Taylor was. Because she wants, now, I, we didn't rebuke her. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. But do you see what the motivation is? Do you see it? What is Diotrephes doing? I want to be in charge. I'm a leader in the church. I want to be in charge. And, and John goes on to say, I'll deal with it when I come. You know, if that was written and I read that and my name and, and my name was in there, Sean, I would write a letter back to John. Dear John, I'm sorry. You don't need to deal with it. You're the apostle in this area. Please forgive me. And I'd send it express pony. So what else is he doing in this lack of contentment? We're wrapping up here, right here. He's pratting against us, the scripture says, with malicious words. A person who's discontent has to fight with others, which means they have to tear others down in order to what? 
Do you know why a person does that? No faith. They will say this, well, that church won't let me do what I want, and I know I'm called to this. Or that boss won't promote me even though I know I'm supposed to be. What is that? That's no faith. You say, why? Because if you believe God, God told Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now that is faith. Because it doesn't matter what comes against you. If God be for me, who? Well, Sean shouldn't be, he shouldn't be anointed like that. Do you know what he did before he got saved? Everybody knows, I told. (laughs) He, He shouldn't be the, I would agree with you in the natural. But I'm not living with a natural mind. I'm living with a spiritual mind. That doesn't mean I have a right that I own, that I can somehow take the position that I have and use it in a malicious, hurtful way. Of course not. God, How many think God knows how to take out somebody out of a position? I'm not talking about just, you know, having him assassinated, okay? I'm not saying that. He knows how to remove leaders that are using their authority in an inappropriate way. How many think he can do it in the church? Our job is to what? Take account of our own soul and go, is my soul lining up with the spirit of God within me? And am I believing God? Do I really need to be upset with this other business that's doing better than my business? Because I feel like I should be in that place. Do I need to speak in such a way that hurts another family in the church because I want that family to be my friends only? That's selfishness. And it's no faith. It's childishness. When you have the love of God shed abroad in your heart, it doesn't matter, red or yellow, come on, it doesn't matter, right? Black or white. Come on, did you you sing the children's song when you were in church? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the, oh, he's not a racist. To be, to, to, the amount of unbiblical thinking in this area, in the church, is astonishing. And don't tell me I can't help it, I was raised that way. You were born Again. Well, I can't associate with them. They have tattoos. You're going to hate heaven. People say, you think there'll be tattoos in heaven? I think everybody, I, I don't know about that. I can't prove that biblically. I think everybody that's born again that has tattoos will go to heaven. Period. Well, they couldn't possibly be in heaven. Do you know how they were raised? Well, they don't have the same kind of money we have. Big deal. What you're telling me is is that your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Because you brought nothing in. (laughs) And you can take, yeah. Even if I do your funeral and you bring the goods, I'll make them take them home. Because you will not take them. It's not possible, is my point. I'm being sarcastic. It's not possible. 
But what is possible, contentment in Christ with such love within us that even if our worst enemy comes against us, we can love them. They hurt me, love them. They hit me, bless them. They don't like me, do good to them. They still don't like me, it's been five years. Keep praying for them. And by the way, don't worry about it and go be happy and live your life. It's their misery. They can live in it. Amen? He does not receive the brethren. How many know that's not Christianity? That's not hospitality. He forbids. The word forbids, it has to do with reject. He prats around against us with malicious words. I didn't finish this, and I really want to get to this. To speak, this word prats against us with malicious words in the Greek means to speak. It means to babble, trifler. It means a gossip and utter nonsense. It's someone who speaks hurtful, evil, or diseased words about someone. The word pictures empty or foolish speech like a pot that boils over, throwing up a froth of bubbles. How many have ever boiled water before? And you left it unattended with something that causes it to, you know what, that's what this type of person, a discontent person, they're boiling with all this bitterness, unforgiveness, all this hurt, all this selfishness, this drive to be first, this desire to be above everybody else. They're just bubbling with it and then it comes out where? Because the scripture says out of the mouth, or out of the mouth, out of the heart, the mouth leaketh. It speaketh, right? So whatever's in your heart is coming out. Have you ever said something and go, where did that come from? Have you ever said something and said, I don't know where that came from? The Bible says it came out of you. Or me. Putting them out of the church. This word means to eject. It means to cast out. It means to drive out or to send out. The implication is that it was done from some level of violence. How many think he might be discontent if he's violently removing people that John the apostle said should be there? That boy needs a spanking. When our value stems from fellowship with Christ... We are content with his purposes for our lives. Susanna Wesley said this, I am content to fill a little space if God be glorified. I am content to fill a, if God be glorified. The story is told about a pilot who always looked down intently on a certain valley in the Appalachians. Joy, you can come. When his plane passed overhead, one day his co-pilot asked, what's so interesting about that spot? The pilot replied, see that stream? Well, when I was a kid, I used to sit down there on a log and fish. Every time an airplane flew over, I would look up and I would wish I were flying. He said, now I look down and wish I were fishing. What's the problem? contentment issue if your external circumstances determine your contentment you're missing it in this area I'm missing it in this area now this is not a one time one shot deal 
We got to do this our whole lives. One more story for you, and then we'll give people an opportunity to receive Christ. I thought this story was really good. This was from 2010. On November 4, 2010, Eunice Sanborn became the world's oldest living person because the one that was older than her passed on. Listen to this. She celebrated her 114th birthday on July 20th, 2010 at her church, First Baptist in Jacksonville, Texas. Good job, Baptist. Love it. Eunice says that she not only loves everything about her life, but she also has no complaints. If she had wanted to complain, she could have many have had many opportunities throughout her 114 years to complain about. Yet, this lady has demonstrated that complaining is a choice. You know, I think sometimes we think, and we do, I've done it, I've made the mistake many times. We make the mistake of, once this happens, then I'll be happy. We're going to finish up the series next week, and I'm going to talk about meditation, what we meditate on, think about. How many are born again? You got what you need. Everything else is an appetizer. It's a side. It's an extra. Everything else. You're, the contentment you need is in Christ alone. Everything else, your, your, your family, your loved ones, the, the, the blessings we have in this nation, the vehicles we own, the houses we live in, the, the financial blessings that the Lord has brought to us, the health we have, the, the strength we have, the, the church, the blessing of where we're at, what we give. Everything natural is for our enjoyment, for our growth. It gives us opportunity to function in faith. And the, how many know the Lord has not changed his idea about the Garden of Eden? We're the ones that messed it up, right? All those things are blessings, but they cannot hold the place of God in your life. If you're in here and you're trying to fill your heart with the perfect spouse, you're going to hurt your marriage when you get married. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Humans cannot do what only the resurrection can do in a person's heart. I am loved enough by him that I can overflow that love to someone else. But the moment I begin to put God, a person or things or anything like that in the place of God is supreme in my life. Ooh. All of a sudden, now I'm, I don't know why I'm this way. I don't know why I'm upset. I don't know why. It just doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like we get into this, well, if they would do, or if I had, or, no, all those things mean nothing. Paul in prison could have sat there and God, Lord, I'll be happy. I'll be happy, Lord, when you get me out of this prison cell. 
But he didn't say that. He said, actually, this is turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul didn't look to the outside and go, what am I missing? He looked at what was right in front of him. And oftentimes, as we know from history, what was chained to him was a Roman guard. And, and Paul would sit quietly or, or, or even speak directly. But he would pray for the salvation of the person and the people that he was around. He didn't write amnesty letters hoping for freedom from government officials. He just said, Lord, my life is in your hand. If, if I am to die in this place, I will die for you. If I am to live on, I will live on. But I give, you are my content. I am satisfied in you. Amen. We can live here. We're called to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place today, altar care workers, if you'd come. If you're in this place today and you've never received Jesus and you're like, I need this contentment, I don't have it. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you need to come back and receive this contentment in your heart. Get right with the Lord. I want to share the gospel with you. We know that according to John 3:16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God does not desire that anybody be separated from him and end up in a devil's hell. We know that all have sinned, and sin is what causes separation from God. Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We also know from Romans 6, 22, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heaven is a free gift. You cannot earn it or deserve it, but you can receive it by faith today. God wanted us to be brought back into relationship with Him. So we know from Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, that God demonstrated His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. In other words, Jesus took the wrath that was due your sin so that you could have mercy and righteousness in Christ. We receive God's forgiveness through faith by trusting in Christ. And you can do that today if you like. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You will be saved. For with your heart, your spirit, you, the inner man, you believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You can place your faith in Jesus and receive God's gift of eternal life right now. If you'd like to receive Jesus, I'd like you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you. I can pray with you. If there's anybody here, just raise your hand. Ushers, if you'll help me out. Michael, anybody online? Okay. Okay, amen. Well, I don't see anybody. But that's all good. How many were fed the word today? Amen. How many know somebody that needs Jesus? Well, you can preach to them or you can bring them here and I will. Practice contentment in Christ. Amen. What you'll find is the things that are in your life that bring you enjoyment will go to another level if you place your contentment in him. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.